Hello, welcome to a special expanded edition of Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the Performance Improvement Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer teams at Vizient. I'm Marilyn Sherrill, Knowledge Transfer Director. This episode is part one of a three-part series addressing emergency medicine in the future. Joining us are Dr. Tom Spiegel, Medical Director for the University of Chicago's Emergency Department, and Dr. Martin Lucinti, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer, Solution Architecture at Vizient. They are part of a group of emergency medicine thought leaders that evolved from a collaborative focus on emergency department efficiency and optimization. They share their thoughts on where emergency medicine is today and where it's going in the future. We all make assumptions about where healthcare is heading, how to be more efficient, more cost-effective, and have better outcomes. Tom, start us off. And then, Marty, I'd like your thoughts as well. What are some of the assumptions we have made about the emergency department and even broader emergency medicine? Well, I think the major assumption that the group came up with was that the solutions to emergency department overcrowding and just the solutions to emergency medicine of the future, the solutions don't reside within the walls of the emergency department. We discussed how can we make ourselves as efficient as possible. We realized in the future, as volumes continue to increase, there's only so much the emergency department is going to do. We're not an island. We exist within a healthcare system. And a lot of the solutions for the future come from outside the walls of our own emergency departments. And I think how they were addressed is that we engaged with other specialties and other efforts outside of the emergency department that engaged with the community and other healthcare partners and discussing how can we better engage and be prepared for the future volumes that we continue to see. Emergency rooms all around the country are struggling with capacity management and ER overcrowding. Obviously, there are varying degrees of problems, uh, and these problems tend to be far worse in the urban areas, particularly where there's quaternary care facilities. And so at the end of the collaborative, what we actually had is we had a group of folks that were, were dealing with challenges that were really, really, truly in the extreme. You know, the capacity demand mismatch that they have for their emergency rooms were so astronomical that some of the standard, you know, efficiency approaches just weren't going to give the scale that they were looking for and, and that they needed. And they got together to talk about, are there unique approaches to solving this. And obviously, since it was a constellation of health systems with really, truly extreme problems, the array of different things that each had tried, you know, really created a really nice portfolio of different interventions that folks around the United States could use to address their overcrowding issues. And so it really became a thought leadership group derived from extremis. Patients lacking access to care is an obvious driver of emergency department overcrowding. But there are other factors at play, and some are less obvious. Marty, what tops that list? The single greatest predictor of an overcrowded emergency room is a full hospital. You know, and the emergency medicine community has published the heck out of that finding, believing that with clarity of that root cause that we'll get solution. But the problem is, If you look at most acute care facilities and most hospitals, their operating margin is so thin, it's a couple percent. 
the idea of having enough beds so you have 20, 30 percent unoccupied beds anxiously awaiting the next patients from the ER, that operating model would be financially destructive to the institution. So unfortunately, the perfect waiting room for a hospital is actually an emergency room. It's capable of taking care of orthopedic patients, telemetry patients, ICU patients, cardiac patients, trauma patients. Full with a waiting room is a great financial model for folks with a really paper-thin operating margin. And so we're almost financially necessitated. And then there's also just, you know, certificate of needs issues in some of these states that keep these hospitals running at incredibly high occupancy. But the corollary you see in this space is we see more problems in the urban academic medical centers. You will also see that almost universally those facilities run themselves at astronomically high inpatient acute care occupancy rates. I would echo that uh, wholeheartedly. In fact, I was, uh, you brought quite a smile to my face as you were discussing that. The, the group that was involved within this collaborative, many of us faced that exact challenge. We could become as efficient as we possibly can and try to discharge as many patients as we possibly can, and we do. But at the end of the day, there's some percentage in some of these sites, that percentage is fairly high of patients that we have to admit. And as we fill up our emergency department with boarding patients, it leaves little little room for any of the discharge patients to be able to be seen despite our increased throughput. Yeah. So it, that's just a, a great point. Once you're full and you're trying to you know, financially optimize yourself, there's really three sources of patients at these facilities. There's transfers in for ultra-specialty care, there's patients coming in from the OR, and then there's patients from the ER. And from a reimbursement model, acute care facilities, especially you know, tertiary and quaternary care referral centers, they make far more money off the quaternary care patients or the transfer patients and the OR patients, and they make far less or, or may even lose money on the ER patients. So full with the waiting room makes good financial sense for the management of acute care facility. Secondarily, once you're full with a waiting room, it's financially optimal to actually get more patients transferred in and more patients from the OR, and it creates an even in almost a double whammy on the emergency room. It's discouraging to think that an overcrowded emergency department, which is a huge lose-lose for patients and clinicians, might actually be a win for an organization's bottom line. Let's move to a very hot topic of discussion, the patient with behavioral health needs. Tom, what are you seeing? Behavioral health care, having shifted from inpatient units to more of a community settings, has really increased the volume of behavioral health patients. And as they come into the emergency department for care, there's often fewer resources within communities to transfer patients to. And that leads the emergency departments to a very difficult position. Many emergency rooms have people that are come in with a behavioral health crisis, and they may spend two, three, four days in the emergency room waiting to be placed in an inpatient behavioral health institute facility. I only have bad news for you know emergency rooms around the country. We expect the behavioral health burden to grow 25% over the next 10 years. This is a crisis that there really is very little indication that there's any alleviation of those challenges. In fact, every indication that that problem is going to get much, much, much worse. Another area that I would mention is our geriatric population. As everyone knows, baby boomers are uh, hitting 65 at record numbers, and, and those numbers are increasing every day. I think the, the term used in a lot of the geriatric literature is the gray tsunami of the, the retiring population is increasing. And those folks, as they continue to live longer, 
have chronic medical conditions that oftentimes need to come to the emergency department. They get admitted, they often get readmitted, and those folks are needing increasing levels of care. The other thing that's really starting to become a challenge around the country is the workforce issues. And we've, we've spent a lot of time both on the mid-level uh, workforce concepts, i.e., how do you use nurse practitioners? How do you use PAs? And for those of us from academic settings, how do you best use the educational environment, those residents, to not just be a drag because of the teaching burden, but also to actually add to the operational efficiencies in those academic context. Tom and Marty, great summary of where we are today and challenges organizations are tackling. Let's shift to what lies ahead and why solutions will lie outside the walls of the emergency department. Marty, give us some context around the growth in emergency department demand. For the last several decades, there's really been prolific growth of emergency room encounters, while there's been a significant decline in the uh, provision of emergency care beds. So this isn't a business that people are running at. Oftentimes, it can sometimes be non-desired growth in a broader health system. Although we've had brisk growth in emergency medicine, we're finally starting to see flattening of the demand for emergency care encounters. That flattening of emergency care encounters is generally more prolific and and happening earlier at places where there's been capitation on the reimbursement side. So where the health provider is actually also the payer, where they've got an ACO, what you're seeing is they've been incentivized to create alternative care settings for some of the low acuity. Although we're seeing flattening of the uh, emergency room encounters over the next five to 10 years, what we're seeing is we're flattening those the, the total number of emergency care counters primarily by decreasing the amount of low acuity encounters that end up in the emergency room, but correspondingly still getting a pretty significant growth in the higher acuity patient population. What you're seeing is the acuity and the patient complexity, i.e. the comorbidities of the patients that are coming to the emergency room are getting more and more profound. And Marilyn, to kind of complement that, you know, if you look at the, you know, what most emergency rooms do, what you what you find is the emergency room tends to function as both the safety net to the hospital and the safety net to the health system that it exists within. And so, shortcomings in the outpatient setting, or shortcomings of care provision and the inpatient side, all of those burdens fall on the emergency room. And so. It's really, really, truly important for the emergency room to spend as much time on its own operational efficiencies as it does liaisoning with the other components of the healthcare system within which they exist. This was a look at really how do we better integrate the emergency room into the broader healthcare system. The more efficient we can become, uh, the more solutions we can kind of control within our own realm, then that would be the best for us long term. Uh, again, there's only there's only so much we could do within the walls of the emergency department, which then led to a lot of this work. But that was probably the first one is really to adopt operations management as a science within the emergency department. I think it's important to, to understand, you know. Um, emergency medicine is a, is a relatively new specialty. You know, 30, 40 years ago, you know, if you were going to an emergency room, you would probably get a moonlighting pathologist or resident taking care of you. We've done a really, really good job in emergency medicine, and I kind of call this generation one of emergency medicine. We've gotten 
to the point where we've got an incredibly reliable individual care model for single patients. Unfortunately, we're kind of behind other industries and some of the basics operational engineering um, and operations management applications to what is, you know, sort of a classic queuing system. This is a queuing system just like, you know, Walmart, Kmart, McDonald's. And so emergency medicine is relatively new to really optimizing some of the science in those fields to the application of optimizing throughput in the emergency room. The second generation will be about creating an incredibly reliable care system, i.e. that you can expect to walk into an emergency room and get high-quality, timely, efficient, patient-satisfying encounters. And so getting to system reliability, not just individual care encounter reliability, is the next challenge for us in emergency medicine. If a patient walks in for virtually any service, what can we do to to help them in an efficient way that doesn't clog up the emergency department? And that's relying on our partners throughout the healthcare system. Yeah. Beyond then the healthcare system within uh, individual institution, then we start talking about, well, why are patients coming to the emergency department? And are there other sources of care that they ought to be seeking? What type of educational efforts do we need to make in, in integrating with our social service partners to be able to get the patient to the right level of service with that first visit? What Tom emphasized is, is really, truly important. One of the challenges of designing a health system, you know, is more often than not, people presume an omniscient customer, i.e. that the patient knows what's wrong with them. And if they know what's wrong with them, they know exactly where to go in your care system to get care. And both of those assumptions are incredibly ridiculous, right? How do I know the layperson who's got belly pain should know what they have and where the right place to go is? What you find is you can create a system incentive that either encourages people to go to too low a care setting, and I think you've seen cases where people go to urgent care and then they're found to have a heart attack and there's a cardiac arrest over an urgent care center, or you can take the other approach, assume the worst and prove that it's not, and and that creates a, a burden and a routing burden on the emergency room. The emergency room is a singular point of routing for many, many, many health systems. Now let's talk about an important evolution taking place in the ED that will have repercussions in the future, the role of the diagnostic center. Because of the complexity of the diagnostics therapeutics in in healthcare now, emergency rooms are becoming acute diagnostic centers, meaning that this is where you go to get your answer. It is the efficient, consolidated place where you can get urinalysis, blood work, CAT scans, MRIs, echoes, and access to all sorts of specialists in a timely fashion. Not only are we the front door to access, but then we've also become this advanced real-time diagnostic center that also then begins to initiate treatment. So if you're a hospital or an emergency department that boards a lot of patients, you may initiate, you know, this uh, ICU level care that depending upon the time they spend in the emergency department, they may not end up in the ICU. Yeah. Uh, so I think that uh, that's a whole other realm of, of medicine that emergency medicine has, has drifted into. I think where some really interesting concepts was really by looking at how the emergency room could better integrate itself with in outreach strategies to community health facilities in proximity and really start to say, you know, how do we get the best utilization and the highest value out of the 
our emergency room capacity, make sure that that space is providing the maximum benefit to the community and routing some of the other folks elsewhere. I think you hit the hit each nail right on the head. Uh, really, it boils down to making uh, making the right thing to do for the patient the easy thing to do. That's what I think folks are looking for that right now the solution to everything if they don't know the answer they come to the emergency department well we need to we need to have other options uh, in the future for patients and then the emergency department there for the more sicker acute patients Marty and Tom thanks so much for sharing with our listeners your experiences in part 2 Tom and Marty will be back with a look at how emergency medicine in the future impacts hospital operations thanks for listening to our special edition podcast we'd love to hear from you Drop us a line at knowledge transfer at visiantinc.com. From the PI Collaborative and Knowledge Transfer teams, I'm Marilyn Sherrill. Remember, knowledge is transformational. Share it.